0: <laughs> Good job. All right, Isaiah chapter number 2 32. Okay,
1: Isaiah
2: 32. Yes. Oh. All uh, right, what I just want to say was the baseball game the other night. The Koreans, the little contingency that went to the baseball game. Of course, I mean, hockey game. So. I'm another advanced. Alzheimer's. Right. Amen. you very simple. It, it was an exceptionally good time. Even smaller, it was, small was, it was an exceptionally good. Time. Good. Good. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, Blake, you need to read loud enough that the camera can hear you reading, all right? So, since you chose to sit that, that far back in rebellion to uh, um, the divine authorities appointed in this room, um, 32 verse 1 reading reading from the NASB right Yeah.
3: behold a king will reign righteously and princes will rule justly each will be like a refuge from the wind and a shelter from the storm like streams of water in a dry country like the shade of a huge rock in a parched land verse 3 then the eyes of those who see will not be blinded and the eyes of those who hear will listen the mind of the hasty will discern the truth and the tongue of the stammerers Will hasten to speak clearly. Verse five: No longer will the fool be called noble, or the rogue be spoken of as generous. For a fool speaks nonsense, and his heart inclines toward wickedness, to practice ungodliness and to speak error against the Lord, to keep the hungry person unsatisfied and to withhold drink from thirsty. Verse seven: As for a rogue, his weapons are evil. His devices, wicked. He devises wicked schemes to destroy the afflicted with slander. Even though the needy one speaks what is right. But the noble man devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. Verse nine. Rise up, you women who are at ease, and hear my voice. Give ear to my word, you complacent daughters. Within a year and a few days you will be troubled, place oh complacent daughters, for the vintage is ended, and the fruit gathering will not come. Verse eleven. Tremble you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent daughters. Strip, undress, and put sackcloth on your waist. Beat your breast for the pleasant fields for the pu- fruitful vine. Verse 13. For the land of my people in which thorns and briars shall come up, yea, for all the joyful house houses and for the jubilant city, because the palace has been abandoned, the populated city forsaken. Hill and watchtower have become caves forever, a delight for wild donkeys, a pasture for flocks. 15. Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high. And the wilderness becomes a fertile field and the fertile field is considered as a forest then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness will abide in the fertile field verse 17 and the word of righteousness will be peace and the service of righteousness quietness and confidence forever then my people will live in a peaceful (coughs) habitation um, sorry and in secure dwellings in an undisturbed resting places verse 19 and it will hail when the forest comes down, and the city will be utterly laid low. How blessed you will, uh, will you be, you who sow beside all waters, who let out freely the ox and the donkey? Yep. Have we decided
0: on what book we're going to next? <laughs> have, we, have we made a decision on that yet? Old Testament Roberts.
2: narrative. <laughs> Old Roberts.
0: Testament narrative. <laughs>
4: Don't
0: listen to her. Old Testament, like First
4: Samuel, Second Samuel, something
5: like that. If you want Proverbs, you can come to Pastor
4: Mike's Sunday school. Is he doing Proverbs? Yes, Proverbs. Excellent. Good for him. Okay. <laughs>
0: How about this poetic language? Week after week after week, is it not something else? I mean, it, is, it is hard to navigate through. Alright, what comes to your mind, Blake, in that first verse, when you read that first verse?
3: Yeah, last week we started talking about uh, the spiritual realm and um, the king. Uh, in, verse, in chapter 31, verse 9, his rock will pass away because of his panic, and his princes will be terrified at the standard, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so we've transitioned from that, and I, I think there's a continuity in between the author's thoughts Of the spiritual aspect of things because he then says behold the king will reign righteously and princes will rule justly and then continuing on in context the rest of the chapter uh, you see what would I would relate to um, the eternal kingdom so I think that this king that's referring to in verse 1 there is uh, Christ
2: Okay, All right, that's good. My question is, who are the princes?
6: Sure. Yeah. Doctor Farmer knows.
4: <laughs> you want to drop off this early. <laughs> 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 exciting.
6: <laughs> no no
0: <laughs> Well, MacArthur says it's the apostles. That's what yes. MacArthur says. I think uh, if I look at his don't you have that?
4: That's I quite, had apostles, quite, or one of my other commentators said it could
2: be pastors who teach, lead, and rule according to the word of God. That's that's the so, case. That would be part of the already, in the, in the, yes. and not no. the not, no. not, yet. Okay. not yet. So not yet. the implication is that it's the pastors, that it's Christ is reigning
6: in yeah. righteousness, when the princes would be the people now. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. 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 that's right. Like uh, R.C. Sproul says, just, and godly leaders. He, he references king, princes as the Messiah, and godly leaders and references uh, one twenty-six and 1 Peter 5.2. Well,
0: first Peter 5.2? Yeah, which is talking about the shepherds uh, being an example to the flocks, I think.
5: And then there's others who say that it's God who's empowering Hezekiah and Josiah.
0: Sure. In in an immediate context, right?
7: Yeah, in an immediate context. Mm -hmm. Sure. But would that be something to behold, though? Huh? I said, would that be something to behold? Because it feels like God's always been king. He's always reigning. So it's just behold like it's something new.
5: Yeah, but but it's the idea that it would be juxtaposed against 31, where it was talking about the the powers behind the evil Mm -hmm. rulers of the earth. And now you have the king behind these just princes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the CSB has the word "indeed" as your first word. What else do y'all have in verse one? Behold, 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 behold.
4: And the NLT has "look," a righteous king is coming.
2: Right. Yeah. yeah. King James says a king mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the CSB says a king as well. Mm-hmm. A king will reign righteously and rulers will rule justly. So we have three possibilities when it comes to this chapter. What are the three possibilities with regard to it? Let's just review. We, we At least we should know the three potential.
5: In immediate context with Hezekiah.
0: Sure. Yep. All right, someone else pick it up from that. An immediate context. In other words, this is going to be fulfilled in the lifetime of Isaiah. He's going to see this. What would be the other one?
2: The eternal kingdom, of Blake.
0: All right, Blake talked about the eternal kingdom. All right, now we have two. Someone else pick up the middle one.
5: Oh, the present, the present age Current
4: age, the church age.
0: Well, this language right here, I mean, MacArthur argues for the millennial kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. The millennial kingdom, and what what is it that makes a passage like this attractive? Towards the millennial kingdom. What's the language in here that makes it attractive towards that concept? Oh, justly. Sure, yes. But what else is in there? The peace. If, if you look at the, the text,
3: you're trying to decide. Oh, he's talking. Go ahead. Glenn. The reigning. Okay, go ahead. Well, I, you know, from my understanding, my personal observation of the scripture Christ started uh, reigning. I mean you can even say it as early as whenever he sent the 70 out but I mean um, whenever he died on the cross he said it is finished and then Christ inaugurated his kingdom most people would say and so at that point I'd say well that, that's when Christ started the eternal kingdom but on the dispensational side of things from my understanding of it um, the fulfillment of that is more <clears throat> whenever the millennial starts And so they would say, okay, well, I understand that he's reigning righteously. I've never seen that while sin is still around. So that has to be when the millennial comes.
0: Okay, so what's in the chapter? You're on the right track, Lake. What's in the chapter that you see here? Shall reign. Yeah, shall reign. What else?
5: Well, 9 through 16 seems to be a scattering, and 15 through 20 seems to be a regathering until the spirit
0: is born out. You've got stuff like the reckless mind in verse 4. Mm, yeah. You've got a fool in verse 5. You have a fool speaks in verse 6. You have the scoundrel's weapons are destructive in verse 7. So anytime you have that kind of language, what is being argued? Well, that can't be eternal kingdom. Yeah, that's sin
8: right even verse two i mean right off the bat says each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm so that kind of sounds like okay they're protecting you from something right so it can't be an eternal kingdom. exactly i i
0: I want to be fair to them i want you to be able to see if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're trying to show you that perspective you don't want to be ambushed by it you don't want to be like clueless as to why they're arguing that you know the the, the 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 argument to illustrate it
5: if we can just go over here to the board is all right this age
0: with satan abounding this is their argument and then we have the millennial kingdom and then we have the eternal kingdom, right? That's what—that's the perspective for everyone. And in the eternal kingdom, the thousand-year kingdom, where's Satan? Bound. He's bound. bound. Yeah. But you still have who being born into the millennial kingdom? Children. Children. Right. And what do they have? It's a
4: a sin, sin, nature.
0: sin nature. Okay. Which is why you have language like fool. You see it? And that, and their argument to me, like they're going to tell me, no, you're wrong. It, I'm saying this is the eternal kingdom, and they're going to say, no, you're wrong, because in the eternal kingdom, there are no fools. No fools. Mm-hmm. Who enters the eternal kingdom?
4: Believers.
0: And only what? Blue-verse. And are we reproducing? <coughs> no. 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 Right. So is there anyone being born with the sin nature?
4: No.
0: No. Where's Satan in the eternal kingdom? Right. In the lake of fire. Right? So what we're arguing over, okay, and this is the point that I've been trying to get the whole church to grasp, is we're arguing over, debating, having a difference of opinion, how do you interpret scripture? How do you interpret scripture? Do I take the word fool in the text literally? Or is the author of Isaiah using language that all of us can understand as he compares in contrast. So let's go to Drew's point with verse two. Is verse two a reality? That is to say that the king is protecting them from natural events. Or is that poetic language to describe a function of the king? that is an extension of protection. You see the difference between the two. And this is a big, this is how we, one person is saying, this is how we interpret scripture. And another person is saying, no, this is how you interpret scripture. If, If you interpret that to be literal, then you're saying, each will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the rain. And you're trying to figure out, how is this king doing things that provides shelter from the wind and a refuge from rain. But if you've come to realize that Isaiah is just packed with similes and metaphors, and it's been like that since day one of Isaiah, then you start going, what is the simile that he's wanting me to get? That mm-hmm. the king sets things right.
3: Sure. Yeah. Like, I got a strange question for you. So... If, if flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, then how is there even a conversation that if Christ is ruling and reigning on the earth, like present, like He's bodily there, then how is there even flesh and blood uh, there? Because we're supposed to go into a we're glorified position. You know what I mean? Did you earn that it No, I didn't.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: okay.
3: Ultimate. You want me to answer that? I just think that it's I don't have to answer, I just think it's an interesting question because I'm not coming up with that, it was posed to me when I was reading today, but it's like flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, that's very clear okay, so I know that we're going to be glorified, we're going to be as much as like Christ as we can possibly be without being Christ yep. we, you know, there's still a distinction between creator and creation in that kingdom, when, when he's presently reigning at the right hand in front of God, correct? Right. But now, once the resurrection happens, the Perugia his coming happens. We're we're there. We're in that state. Mm-hmm. True, so, true enough. Yeah. If if he is king at that state, there cannot be flesh and blood there. From from that logic. Why not?
5: Because flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God but if it's a millennial kingdom and there are children being their procreation is taking place there has to be flesh and blood yeah they're just kicking that
0: uh, like all they're doing is they're kicking that can down the road that's all they're saying they're just saying that that verse applies over here and not to here that the kingdom that we're talking about is not this kingdom it's this one this is why you always get this adjective being put in front of kingdom millennial kingdom davidic kingdom so that you can make the distinction that you're making so that this is an event that has to happen to fulfill prophecies but we're still going to enter this kingdom and in this kingdom flesh and blood will not inherit it okay so in this kingdom you have a combination of of people being humans and those in glorified bodies or, or spiritual bodies both existing simultaneously
5: from a dispensational view
0: yes right and, and uh, all we're doing right now is we're making sure that everyone in the room understands why a dispensationalist will say no 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 this can't be the eternal kingdom because in the eternal kingdom are you going to have to worry about a hurricane
8: no 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 we're going to garden to be so can i Can I pose different point of view on like where, sure, like a dispensationalist might see like first two things so if i was taking the perspective of like a dispensationalist i might say something like okay yeah i understand it's quite language because it says each one will be like a shelter from the wind and refuge from the storm obviously you know you have to stretch it a lot to be like yeah he's going to literally protect me from wind and the storm I might understand that that's poetic language, but I might think, okay, well, he's protecting me from threats. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it is, it's it's a comparison. It's very clear that it's a comparison. Um, so if I'm saying, well, there's going to be no threats in the Eternal Kingdom, then either this is referring solely to present day, like actual people threats, or yep. it's referring to a threat in this Millennium Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Which so I'm sorry, how do I... Like, I mean, my first thought when I see this is, okay, he's referring to kings that are coming soon, not, not like eternal kingdom stuff. He's referring to the present day for Israel like an actual physical king. Uh, but I can see how someone might take that out of context and go, like, okay, like he's referring to something that's going to come between the present age and eternal kingdom. Yep. So the first thing I would say to you,
0: Drew, is that so far, based on everything that I've been reading, the more that you see the similes— the more you see the figurative language the less literal you are yeah. is the more progressive you are as a dispensationalist okay and we need to hold on Blake. i'll be right there with you excited yep so, <laughs> yep um, so you know the more you insist on literal the more traditional and dispensationalist you are yeah. the more you acknowledge the similes Then you're going to be more progressive but you're still holding to dispensations. you're just looking at them from a different perspective so i would say that you're talking more of a progressive dispensationalist there and and because i'm fully convinced that there isn't going to be this in between that there's this age and the age to come then i'm going to look at this like this is the language that isaiah can relate to these people concerning how amazing the eternal kingdom is going to be
8: it's just like you know we're talking in Ezekiel about describing a temple it's language that people can understand so they have some image in their mind of what something's going to be like but it's not necessarily referring to something that is going to immediately happen um, right and that's why I
0: keep emphasizing we need to understand that this is not a matter of they're right and we're wrong at this moment it's a matter of how do we interpret scripture
3: how do we read and interpret scripture All Right, blake yeah i think the beautiful part about the language that he's using in verse two is that he's using a fallen world to communicate how perfect a perfect world is going to be we can't understand what a perfect world is going to be like and so the way that he communicates it is explaining it in our fallen terms which is uh yeah. just amazing Well,
0: I mean, if you look at the end of verse number two, just to stay on it for a minute, the shade of a massive rock in an arid land. The shade of a massive rock in an arid land. So in, let's see, 1989, uh, okay, 1990, I got deployed to Desert Storm. And this is where we went to Saudi Arabia. Okay. And we were just doing all all kinds of training out there in the Saudi deserts. And there's literally no shade. I mean, you just have the sun beating down on you all the time, and Then they gave us these little things that you could, you know, to crawl in and take an afternoon, break and all that. There's no, there's, I mean, you come from North Carolina where there's woods and shade everywhere to open area where you just feel the sun beating down you. Look at that description right there. How amazing would it be to find a massive rock That you could crawl up to and receive the shade okay so am i supposed to am i supposed to understand that as literal or am i supposed to create in my mind this amazing picture of being in the middle of a hot desert finding this giant rock be able to crawl up to it and hide in the cleft of it and completely i mean what would the temperature be difference be 10 15 20 Mm -hmm. degrees Mm -hmm. and and the difference between the shade and you see that. So, So this is the kind of, verse three, then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, the ears of those who hear will listen, the reckless mind will gain knowledge, the stammering tongue will speak clearly and fluently. Okay, take those two verses that I just read. What is he communicating there? The reckless mind will gain knowledge, the stammering tongue will speak clearly and fluently
2: all of the inadequacies of our flesh.
0: Amen. Right. Isn't that beautiful? Right. That, that is beautiful. So if you decide to go here, right here, this middle ground, this thousand year kingdom, the issues that you get into is stuff like, is the curse gone or not? Yes. How much of the curse is gone or not? Because you still have people dying. How do we know that people are dying? Because at the end of this, what's the battle at the end, for those of you who know this system well? God and Magog. God and Magog, and what happens in God and Magog? People die. People what? Die. Die. And it's bad. The blood is up to the level. Right, exactly. So is the curse removed? No. No, No, the curse is not removed. We're going over here to get the curse removed. But you've got to create this picture-perfect land in some way So you have like a lowercase c curse being removed but not an uppercase c
4: you
0: you 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 have to nuance it because you've got christ ruling right so that makes everything wonderful but you're still dealing in some form of fashion with death you have to acknowledge that aspect so there's a limitation to how good this can be does that make sense okay If if you go with the kingdom and the temple then you're still killing gazillion animals at these sacrifices right so there's still death is is reigning death is absolutely still present now it if we acknowledge the the, the truth that christ is reigning then is he making things better well of course he's making things better okay just like he made things better in the new testament sure we would fully acknowledge that but at some point it comes to an end so when we look at this language right here we're trying to decide um, the stammering tongue will speak clearly and fluently. So, is that a metaphor or a simile to get me to understand what perfection is gonna look like? Or is that a description of how human handicaps are healed for a thousand years? Do you at least see the difference? Yes. Okay, what we're trying to, what we're trying to argue with here. How should I understand it? a fool will no longer be called a noble nor a scoundrel said to be important so how would you understand verse 5 politicians
6: <laughs>
5: I mean I mean seriously our, our Hollywood actors and stuff like that we lift them up on such pedestals that they're so highly lifted and a fool says there is no God so they are they are considered nobility within the mind of Americans all these award shows, all these celebrations centered around them, all these heads of states, high speaking and high influence. And at in the time that Christ returns, they will be revealed to be fools, and they will no longer be called noble.
0: Stand up, you complacent woman. Listen to me. Pay attention to what I say, you overconfident daughters. In a, in a little more than a year, you overconfident ones will shudder for the grapes will fail, the harvest will not come. All right, I read that sentence in verse number 10 and what am I thinking? What am I struggling with in my... Well,
5: but it's a literal. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, now then, I'm going, okay, do I need to rethink this? Does it have like a dualistic levels of application? Is Hezekiah a type of Christ as he reigns righteously? And then there's a benefit that the people receive because of his righteous rule, and because of the, this time stamp right here that's thrown on there. Or am I not to see it that way? Let, let's remember: if this book was easy to understand, okay, we would not be gathering on Wednesday nights all over the world as. Believers and keep studying it and studying it and studying. Why wow. this is what makes it a book that people have been studying for thousands of years.
2: And my and so then in my just in my study Bible, the footnotes it mentions it's the referring to the Assyrian invasion. Yep. But
0: yeah, there's several notes about the Assyrian invasion because we've had previous references to Assyria in, in previous chapters. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Right. Well, that series evasion happens in like three chapters, in the mm-hmm. right? It's just difficult because when you're reading it. It's like, okay, when does this part shut off, and when does this part begin? Absolutely, <laughs> and
0: it just needs to give us like some markers, right? I mean, some some clear indicators, but it doesn't. Yeah, I thought that about
7: the year thing in a little more than a year, but starting when? Right, like at the point of him speaking when the message is delivered. Right, I think you're from whatever the thing he was
0: talking about previously. Yep. Beat your breast in mourning for the dial, delightful fields and fruitful vines, for the ground of my people growing thorns and briars. Indeed, for every joyous house in the jubilant city, for the palace will be deserted, the busy city abandoned, the hill and the watchtower will become barren places forever, and the joy of wild donkeys and pastoral flocks until the spirit from on high is poured out on us. What's going on in
2: verse 15?
3: Transition. Okay.
0: So here's the notes from the ESV commentary series. And I think a lot of times it's pretty decent. The grim picture of Isaiah 32 verse 13 and 14 So we just read that. It's not the end of the story. For the spirits, the Lord, and the giver of life, will reverse the devastation just as he moved on the chaotic chaotic waters at the first creation, Genesis 1-2. Other prophets also referred to the outpouring of the spirit. See Ezekiel 36 and Joel 2. We know Joel 2 is what Peter quotes where? Acts 2. Acts 2. The coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost is the fulfillment of this. But the final fulfillment awaits the new creation and the final coming of the kingdom. Then the earth will be transformed with abundant crops growing to what was once desert. Former, apparently luxurious growth will seem like scrubland in comparison. And I, I think that at least one of my biggest struggles is trying to get some grasp of what the eternal kingdom is going to be like. What's it going to be like? And I think one of the things that makes the millennial kingdom so attractive is it's easier to conceive of what it's going to be like because it's a lot more like Earth right now than it is to something incomprehensible. Which is no death, no sin, no crime, no disease. I mean, the millennial kingdom's got like all this amazingness of Jesus and a lot of good, but it's still got a lot of like what life's like on this earth. So it seems like a bridge that helps me get there, so to speak, if that makes sense. But the eternal kingdom, do we still eat?
4: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay.
3: He
1: said he won't eat
3: again he said he partake of <laughs> the Lord's Supper again until we're with him. And then also, it says in Isaiah 2, uh, verse 3, I think, that the feast on the mountain, you know, whenever it's all said and done.
2: This is returning was, to the days of the garden, God created trees for all kinds of things for them to eat. Eve ate the
4: apple. We'll be vegetarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's it. it. you're exactly right. Yeah. Well what about
5: Chick-fil-A? Clearly there's a reference to a tree that gives a different fruit at each of its season and there's leaves for the healing of the nations but there's no reference that you have to eat them. yeah <clears throat> if any leaves are used as balms i think our our lack of
0: conceptual understanding of how amazing the eternal kingdom is going to be makes it so hard to long for it
2: yeah right mm-hmm. yeah which I, I think is the one thing that we know will be there, which should be the most and only important thing for us, is that that's what Christ will be. Sure. And that's what our hearts should really long for. I, I Honestly, we're probably a little bit different from you, but I don't really care at all about what the eternal kingdom is going to be like. I don't think about it because all I know is that Jesus will be there and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. And then all the other things like Chick-fil-A and Mexican food, and Italian food and all the things I love to eat and cook, like God gave me that desire, that craving for that. So why would I even remotely doubt that He would give me the desires for whatever will be there? Like, he can take the desires like completely away from me or all of us. Like, you know, think about what happened with uh I forget his name, the brother that got the COVID and now all of a sudden wow. the food it smells spooky. Uh, yeah, so, God can do that too. Like all the things that we think we created about here, uh we will be gone? And he'll give us the new desires for however the eternal kingdom will be. Ultimately, all that matters is that he'll be here.
1: I once translated for... Um, you yeah, talk a little bit louder. Sorry. I once translated in Romania for an American missionary something that absolutely shocked me. He said, in America, everyone wants to go to heaven. They just don't want Jesus to be there.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember that statement really stuck mm-hmm. with me. Um, and then I hear people whenever their loved ones die even their dogs or animals they make up all these ideas about heaven that have nothing to do with the scriptures sure and it yeah. proves that point you know, that everyone wants themselves and their whatever they loved here on earth they want to bring it to heaven they don't really care that the heaven is God's and is Christ. Mm-hmm doesn't have anything to do with what we want to create. yeah The
0: point I'm trying to contemplate as I wrestle through this is the reality of things like God created me for a purpose, and so I, I believe I'll still have a purpose yeah. in eternity. Yeah. Um, to work and
4: keep the garden.
0: Right, the, exactly. Before the fall, Adam was charged with the responsibility of working and keeping the garden way before the fall. So, I, I, I well I I want to be exactly where you're at, Josh, with the with the idea of Christ only. I want to get to where you're at. I'm not there yet, um, because I feel like they they heard the Lord coming and walking. So I feel like there's this sense in which the overarching presence of God was at the garden, but they had duties and responsibilities, and they were executing things within the bounds of that. Oh yeah, you you um, like to work. Me too. I, I think that the, the, the <laughs> I mean, the difference between pre fall and post fall is the sweat on the brow.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. It's the thistles and the
2: thorns. I, I feel you. <laughs> I, I, I'm right. Here. I feel you too. Yeah. Oh, um, well, this verse I, 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 okay. verse
1: seventeen? And the work of the righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness quietness and confidence forever wow. that verse just floods my soul with an yeah. idea of what heaven yeah. is going to be about right and even when we say heaven
0: we we have to use the most biblical language right mm-hmm. because we're talking about the new earth yes. <laughs> yeah right What? Well, when we say heaven, we should be saying intermediate state. Now, nobody ever refers to it that way, but that's what it is. Yeah. right? It's an intermediate set, step for us. Everyone's yeah. Yes or no, you're tracking with what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not our
5: home.
2: Yeah, I had to go about it. Right. You know? Yeah, you're right.
5: Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. What she's describing is 4 a.m. before anything, anybody's up moving around. <laughs> the day hasn't crashed in. That that quietness of peace. But all the time. I mean verse 18, then my people will
0: dwell in a peaceful yeah, place. In a safe and secure dwelling. So when you read verse 18, then my people will dwell in a peaceful place, in a safe and secure dwelling. What makes you what, what comes to your mind that language?
4: No crime.
0: Okay. <laughs> I mean, I immediately run to the end of Revelation. Right. We will dwell with him and he will dwell with us. We will be his people and he will be our God. I mean, that's that's how the book of
3: Revelation ends. I think that this is a, I think that the whole, whenever we talk about the meta-narrative, the whole story, beginning in Genesis, ending in Revelation, is a part of it is about the redemption of Eden. Uh, A huge part of it and so we see this well I don't know if you would use that language if that's special language but uh, the Eden fulfilled as it was supposed to be in that now God's servants the sons of God which would be us once we're glorified are fulfilling that purpose uh, he's the creator, we are the creation we are serving him, worshipping him in 100% purity for all eternity and so I don't really know what my point was but I think that that's, that's just like, <laughs> to me whenever I'm reading this and I'm thinking about it it helps me to see God's meta narrative, and it makes better sense like oh my goodness this, was, this whole story of redemption is a lot about you and, and about having what he had at the beginning I think we have to be fair to say
0: that the, the prophet Isaiah when he prophesied this To the people of israel that in some sense it was meant for their ears that they were supposed to hear something they were supposed to be encouraged they were supposed to be challenged that there is in some sense james a localized individual application to them but it's also crafted in such a way that it has an extension into us and into eternity and my, par- my example for, the, for you all tonight would be the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And I think that the Olivet Discourse, when he says, if you see these things happening, go, run, leave, he gives them. Well, I think that in 70 AD, when Rome was beginning to surround the city of Jerusalem, that there were people that were going, I remember what Jesus said. No. Yeah, and we need to get out of here and it had a very localized application to them in that day. And then at the same time, I'm fully convinced that in a future time, whether we're alive or different generations alive, there will be things that will line up. And our knowledge of the word of God, things will click in our mind. For example, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where he talks about the lawlessness, one and, and setting himself in a temple. Okay, I can fixate on a physical temple, or I can imagine that a temple represents a one-world religion.
8: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And as long as I'm aware of both, right, a physical temple or the idea of an overarching, like, you know the word chrislam, right?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. chrislam. Yes. Huh. Chrislam is the effort of uniting Christianity to Islam. Who's behind that? There's, well, it's in it's, the Pope,
1: huh?
0: it's, <coughs> right Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So it's a global effort. Okay. And it's up right out of the pit of hell. Okay. But imagine somebody brokers a deal between Christians, Catholics, Greek, Orthodox and Muslims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For seven years. Some type of a, a global
2: unified religion. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Because
0: how much of the metanarrative uh, of society is all wars go back to religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a very common conspiracy kind of an idea. So if you can eliminate doctrinal differences between people, then they should be able to what? That's
1: a narrative that they're using right now. Right.
5: Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's I, have a, I have a legitimate it's question. It's not even a question that kind of leads to a point. It's a legitimate question. I've never looked for it it just came to me. Is there anywhere in the Bible that it talks about the restoration of Eden?
0: I think to me, Jack, the end of Revelation, when you have the tree, that's the connection that I make.
5: With, with the eternal kingdom.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: But do you think the, the idea of a millennial kingdom is the the forcing of a Eden, uh, an A.E. state restoration? No, I think that the
0: idea behind the Millennium Kingdom is giving land to Israel.
6: Giving what? Land, <laughs> land to Israel. So we were just talking about it. We, um, this is the deepest we've ever gone on the Old Testament in this class, so we're very thankful for that. But one of the things when we did go through the Old Testament, we were looking at it from the Jewish study And one of the things we came across when we were in that study was chiasms and how the Jews would tell stories, how they communicated, also their language and how it was more visual. Um, But chiasms was a big way they used to tell stories. And like we as Americans, we like bottom line up front. That's how we write our college papers. But for Jews, when when they tried to tell you something, it was always a hidden truth buried in a story. They wanted you to find it because when you found it, it made it that much more important that you would retain it. And so but and chiasms, if I remember correctly, is the bookend when something folds onto itself. Yep. And so when you have the start with Eden yeah and then the end with revelations, it's a it's a complete chiasm. Yeah.
3: So, go ahead. Like Yeah, you say as a Jew as a second temple Jew, or well like even I don't what was I say Is that first temple Anyways, whenever they're reading this and they hear that language, like to your point. They're not thinking
6: about
0: what we're thinking about. They're thinking about eating. That's that's what this looks like to them. Yep. Yeah, it's first time. First time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the chiastic structure is something like this. Well, let me get my lines right. Just make that one a little bit longer. And so the idea is this one and this one relate, and this one and this one relate, and okay. this one and this one relate, and this is the main truth right here. Good. Okay that's the idea and you're looking at a poem you're looking at a poetic structure and you're seeing this parallel structure that goes back and forth and then when you see it this is the main point that the author wants you to see that's what you're describing right there yes. and um, and it's hard for us to see it because we don't think in those terms
4: yeah, I was looking at the reading Leviticus um, in my studies and the and, uh, um, Bible Project video mm-hmm. and you know when they spelled it all out I and mean, you could see the chiastic structure just uh, you know they describe it very well and it's it's hard like you said for us to pull that out I, I never would have pulled it out myself had I not had they not drawn it specifically mm-hmm. uh, but it's so clear
0: well one of the struggles for us is we're readers mm-hmm. and they they weren't readers how did they translate the trend orally, yeah orally. they did it orally yeah which is just inconceivable to us isn't it yeah i mean just imagine that we have a responsibility of getting a chapter transmitted from one generation to another
4: and that's that made it easier for them to memorize because they yes could, because of the
0: structure that the structure, was consistent yeah, exactly. right yeah. but again when you Help move it. from hebrew Same to way. english You got all these hoops yeah i mean you sent me a note this week or yesterday or uh, today blake about how the hebrew language is so
3: different and makes it hard for us to understand the unseen realm aspect yeah like the net bible uh i love using that online because i'm reading this book called the unseen realm and and i'm looking at my bible and i'm saying that's not in there i don't understand what he's talking about and then i go to the net bible which they break it down for you and, and explain why certain words are chosen, the scholars do. And then I click on the notes and I see, oh my goodness, it is, that's what the scholars are saying in the Hebrew. But I would never know that. Right. Because I'm not a Hebrew scholar. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things that makes the NET
0: Bible such a special Bible is the fact that the translators go overboard to explain to you why they chose what they chose, mm-hmm. as opposed to CSV or whatever, they just put it in there and you're just like, okay, that's what you chose, as opposed to an explanation as to why you chose
6: what you chose. Okay. That would, I would just finish with, uh, I thought about it earlier when you were mentioning the visual aspects. Um, I love telling people this because we've lost sight of the meaning of words. A lot of people use the word, I love you. Um, a lot of people use. You see brothers and sisters today fight and siblings fight but the the original old Hebrew language like mother meant a uh, spring of water and so if you're growing up and you call your mother by that visual idea of a spring of water in a desert like she is the living water. Dad was the shepherd. Um, brothers and sisters were strong. It was the language was strong fence and so when you think about strong fence, strong fences were to keep the enemies out. It was protection of the herd and the family and so when you start equating that to the familial ties the bonds are just a lot stronger and so yeah their language just had so much more visual contextual clues to what they were trying to convey i, I
3: think there's two great examples that come to my mind whenever you say that and one of them was whenever you're teaching in genesis and you started talking about the feet whenever it was in relation to the seed and things like that feet was, I don't know what type of term would you call that, it tells you, what's that called, like whenever it's, it's talking about like your system anyways feet yeah. in that context means sea, like lineage and things like that, I would have never gotten that, but
4: also oh, I, I, mer- I yeah. think I remember a passage that talks about that Yeah. But whenever talk- you brought it up too, mm-hmm. I, I forget which passage it was, it's yeah. like Genesis
3: 50 at the end or something yeah, yeah.
4: like that like in between the legs and then the feet what yeah, they, yeah. I the staff
3: will not pass, anyways. Uh, so, another example is whenever he's talking about in Ephesians the the inheritance of the saints. Well, that term "saints" is what is the Greek word is uh, it should be translated "sons of God." And as a Jew, you would have taken "sons of God" and went straight to uh, the angels. And it makes sense for us mm-hmm. because as we are sons of God. All, uh, like now but not yet sort of thing, right? And so, whenever we are glorified, we will be at that same state as the angels, but yet at a greater degree because we'll actually judge the angels according to First Corinthians 6. Yeah. So, that's just a couple of extreme examples of what you're saying, how we need to try our very best to understand how the Jews would have interpreted these texts according to all of their passages. And it's just so difficult for lay people
7: in the church to do that. On the topic of interpretation, I have a quick question to you. Yep. Or question slash comment. So if we look at verse 17, the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. Is it not accurate to say that forever is will? Like, there's no other interpretation for that? Because like, when I see this, I see, okay, this is eternity in point, because forever is... Eternal language. And we see the same language used when God's talking to David, talking about Alpha's oh, go forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, to me, it, that makes it very clear what's being referenced here, unless I'm mistaken and there's another interpretation for forever.
0: No, there isn't, but that doesn't negate the localized fulfillment.
4: Mm.
0: It can be both. Mm. Forever? No, in the sense of. If people can experience some of what's being described in this chapter if the rulers will strive to rule righteously
5: or, or the sense of I'm going to love my wife forever is a statement I make knowing full well that we won't be given into marriage in eternity so the love will be transformed into something different from what it is now but what I'm meaning is the love will extend through de- into my death so, so you said it could be hyperbolic so it's hyperbolic hyper yeah to the point of which time it should end
1: but in a sense doesn't forever begin for the believer for the son of god the moment he becomes the son of god. Well,
5: well what i'm saying though is if, if, if this is a intermediate or if this is an immediate fulfillment it's to is to last through their lifetime to a point and, in which they will think forever but it doesn't negate the judgment later and then we do know that when it's eternal kingdom of course
2: it's eternal how about
5: verse 20 you will be happy
0: as you sow seed beside abundant water as you let oxen and donkeys range freely so come on, all you farmers out there, homeschool farmers and everything, you know, um,
2: right? Right. But what? Uh, what? What do you see there? What well, you were talking about earlier, Pastor Sean, having a job in the eternal kingdom. And you're gonna be, and you're gonna be happy.
0: Peace. But what what what? What are you supposed to take away? That's pure agrarian language. So what are you supposed to take away
6: from that agrarian language? Peace. You don't have anything threatening your flock. You don't have to worry about somebody stealing your flock or anything like that i mean that's again if i view it from that perspective you know i can just look out on my herd and i don't have to struggle to try to keep them safe do i have to brand them no yep
0: no there's no no need to brand them right am i doing fence repair every monday am i getting on my four-wheeler and doing Mm -hmm. fence repair to make no
4: (laughs) right exactly (laughs) right
2: right that's what you you want calls right
0: right i mean well, you will be happy as you sow seeds beside what kind of water?
4: All. all waters.
0: Yeah, abundant water. I mean, that's a farmer's dream, right? You don't have to pump it in, right? You don't have to pump it in. You have to worry where irrigation, all those kind of things. You don't have to stop because it's another person's land, right? I mean, these are all metaphors to help us understand the magnitude of what God has in store for those who love Him. You don't have to worry about the water table. <laughs> right? It literally goes on and on.
1: Nancy says, How blessed. Okay? Sure. How blessed.
0: All right, any other comments? Blake, you got any crazy questions? No, no crazy questions, but.
3: Something that uh <laughs> <laughs> hey, look you let me
4: talk, I'll talk the entire
3: <laughs> <laughs> What Miss Deborah said earlier,
0: I think it's really helpful. Miss Deborah, I didn't realize you were that old right there. Yeah. But you've I'm got, to, got to the point where you've hairs Yes, exactly. Yeah, Miss Deborah. <laughs> but
3: you know, as I'm working through passages like these, um, I'm looking at it, you know, does it have a little class of fulfillment? Oftentimes I struggle to determine that. Um, but and so I'm looking at kind of like this parallel I'm looking for both and sometimes I'll recognize hey it stops here with the local it looks like it's eternal here and it'll pick back up and it doesn't mean that I throw out the bunch uh, or that everything has to be future you know it goes in chunks and so whatever it says forever in that context you know it could be forever if it's referencing the 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 future kingdom and then it could
0: be a hyperbole for that localized moment like it, it doesn't have to be one of the other yeah. right so let me use that as a segue to, to show you an example of that that I'm sure you guys have already seen before but here's a refresher go to Luke 4 and hold your place in Isaiah so go to Luke 4 and go to Isaiah I think it's 61 to show you exactly what we're talking about with this idea of a, a localized fulfillment and then perhaps a gap or perhaps a dualistic all right so luke chapter four let's start with verse sixteen all right justin would you read verse sixteen through nineteen
6: he came to nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Alright,
0: let's stop there. Alright, we're in Isaiah 61. So go back to Isaiah 61. Okay? So kind of now, now at this point, you got see if you can fold your Bible in such a way that you can kind of get both of them. Okay. Alright, look at verse number one. Okay, how similar is your verse number one to verse 18? Just kind of put them side by side so you can see this. All right, Justin do 18.
6: The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Pretty close,
0: right? Mm-hmm. All right, keep reading. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to Wait a them. minute! Wait! 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 Okay. Yeah. That was it. Now yeah. go back to Isaiah. Yeah. Where did he stop? Almost Where, Where did he stop? Where did Jesus stop? Verse two. That's right. And what is missing? And the day of our God's vengeance. Why did Jesus stop like that?
4: Mm.
0: Why, why? did he stop in the middle of that prophecy? It wasn't what, but but when you look at Isaiah, yeah. when you read Isaiah, yeah. what clue do you get to let you know that's the breaking point? Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: What do you get in Isaiah that should cause you to understand that there's at least two thousand years in verse two? y'all see what i'm saying yeah we, we have to proclaim the year of the lord's favor comma now after that comma go ahead and insert two thousand years
1: <laughs>
0: and we're still not there yet yeah. and counting. right does everyone see what i'm saying
4: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. right do you see how jesus just reached back to isaiah told exactly what he wanted do you think he didn't know that he was stopping there
4: he didn't want to scare anyone. No, don't. <laughs> he says
5: in verse 21 he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing.
2: That's right. This is done now. Yeah, Whatever Isaiah was
0: prophesying is still yet to come. Oh, wow. Exactly. That's good. Right. So w- when we're trying to grasp this idea of levels of interpretation and all that, Jesus gives us an example right here where he says, this half right here, this portion is going to be fulfilled at this one and then this sentence right here is not going to be fulfilled yet. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fulfilled in the future. And he can stop in the middle of it without even thinking about it. That's how the authors of our um, major and minor prophets write. That's that's inconceivable to us. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm
4: -hmm.
0: We don't want you to write like that. We want you to Put, create a systematic theology book and put everything under rapture right here and everything under right here and organize it for us. We don't want to have to sort through a Jewish narrative to
6: find biblical truth. Also, I also feel like it's the revealing of it. It's so beautiful. Um, we saw a thing recently where they showed like um, it was an individual that showed that the Bible was the first hyperlinked book. You know, and it's the thousands of hyperlinks and hundreds of tens of thousands of hyperlinks from old and New Testament references. But also, um, you know, a lot of times even in our humans, it takes 60 to 80 years for us to see even like our smartest individuals that come up with math equations and physics equations for us to see it and actually apply it and be like, wow, okay, they weren't lying. They were telling the truth. So when I see the prophets and they talk like this, I'm okay that I may not understand some of it but then you find those beautiful truths in the new testament where it's just like oh he chose now to like reveal it and so again going into the future i don't know how a year will turn out to be in isaiah's time i mean the guy was receiving information from god that's not an easy thing for a human yep but when it happens it will be beautiful
8: yep
3: like well yeah and to that point you I can't sit I'm, there
0: next week by the way okay sorry <laughs> go ahead
3: uh, and to that point I think about how the eschatology things for a lot of it I you know we're just I can't be dogmatic about a lot of things yeah and, and the reason why is because the prophets missed the church there's things that they did not see it was a mystery to them and so whenever I approach not everything in eschatology referring to last things But a lot of things, for me personally, because I'm not familiar with Revelation that much, you know, I just have to sit there and say, hey, I I might not be able to come to a determination of what this is going to be until until I'm in glory. Right.
5: Anyone else? To your point, Pastor, about the interpretation piece, I was talking to a husband and wife last week. And they were talking about revelation and somebody you mentioned that you wish there was time markers and occasionally we do get those words that seem to indicate a time marker like after this in revelation and they literally were interpreting after this differently she saw after this john's getting a new vision to give him a new perspective of the same thing thus she was recursive parallel And the husband will say, no, that means that we're now going through a gate to another timeline element in a linear method. Mm -hmm. And so she's recursive parallel and he's dispensational. And all because of the word after this or the phrase after this. Sure. When I was taught
0: the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to chapter 21 was a chronological line these things happen these things happen these things happen all right the seals all three sets that's how i was taught right and then in the preaching of revelation going through revelation turn we got four minutes turn to revelation chapter 11 Uh, this was the most eye-opening verse in the entire book for me this was the verse that rocked my world what 411 no, uh, uh, chapter 11, if
1: you get a cold, buddy. I mean,
0: yeah, Don't, doesn't she have some kind of like herbs and special things <laughs> that you're I'm supposed to do?
1: specialties.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys shouldn't gluten free and all that, do you, you still
8: have journals? She does, I, I'm all American. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh,
0: chapter 11. All right, let's see. Oh boy. Oh, that's Hebrews. That, that's why it doesn't look right. Yeah. There's a big difference between Re- Hebrews and Revelation, just so you're clear. Yeah, verse 15. Okay. I mean, I have it circled in this Bible. I don't even know why I have it. The seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. And I said, How can this be? I'm in chapter 11. I'm not in chapter 21.
4: That's the end of the story. Right. This is
0: the end. Does everyone get that this is the end? Whether you believe in a millennial kingdom or whether you believe in an eternal kingdom, it doesn't matter which one. This is the end. And we're in chapter 11. We're not in chapter 21 or chapter 22. And that's what sold me, Jack, on recursive parallelism, which is the idea that the author tells something takes you to an ending point, brings you back to the beginning, takes you to another ending point, goes back to the beginning. And the best example I can give you is a hymn book. Stanza one, stanza two, stanza three. And each time he takes you back to the beginning and you sing another verse. And every time you sing another line, you're learning something more in the song. Well, when I saw that this was the trumpet, I mean, if you know your Bible, we still got vials, we still got bowls, we got a lot of stuff left, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that when this trumpet blows, the kingdom of, our, of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. Amen. Let's start singing. Which is the
5: last trumpet of First Corinthians
0: fifteen, right? Which is what which has caught me to make the trumpet connection, Jack, and I was like, wait a minute this is the trumpet of matthew 24 right here this is this was a total game changer for me in my understanding of the book of revelation when i saw that because i entered revelation one way north south and left east west and it wasn't because i read an author go ahead
3: So is that the trumpet revelation or Thessalonians?
0: I'm absolutely convinced that it's the same trumpets. That's the trumpet connection that I made on Sunday night, where it's Matthew 24, it's 1 Corinthians 15, it's 1 Thessalonians 4, and it's Revelation chapter number 11. And there is a parallel right across there. If not, then how am i not to make that connection what 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 did the author tell me so that i know oh no don't make
3: that connection like i got a crazy comment now so you got 45 uh, seconds go yeah with regard to that section of scripture right there yep when that happens you see the redemption of the world after babylon or uh, you know the tower of babel when god divided up uh, the nations to the uh, demonic rulers now those are and then he picks out Israel and he's the king, he's the God of Israel Yeah. and all the other Gentiles and things like that belong to the demonic forces right this right here is the Psalm 82 judgment and God says no longer do those kings preside over those nations and they're all mine. Yep, yep that's crazy
4: stuff.
0: Right. Which implies at this point that the, that, that when this is blown, that the Satan has already been eliminated as yes. a threat.
4: For anybody that doesn't realize that we have his, all of his um, slides are on our website. So if you're confused about anything or want to go back to the slides, they're all available on our website. All right. We are dismissed. Chapter
0: 33, next week. Woo.